0: You can bank on God's promises. His promises are foolproof. If his word says it, you can believe it. You can trust in God's word. We have no reason to doubt what God says in his word. No reason at all. And so today we're going to take a peek behind the scenes of another individual who walked through a very difficult, long waiting period for God to come through. God promised and then God appeared to be waiting a very long time. And we're going to see how when we walk through difficult times, we have a choice to make. Will I wait? Will I believe? Will I continue to trust? Or will I bail out? Will I try to circumvent God's will for my life? Every single one of us in this room, in the link and across the internet right now, have issues that we've dealt with, have patterns and seasons in our lives where we have to be fully reliant upon God, even though we can't see the outcome at the present, even though we know to be true that God's promises and he turns all things into good for those that love and are called according to his purpose, even though we know that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. There are these periods of time in our lives when we're suffering, when it's dark, when it seems dreary, when it seems hopeless, that we can still trust in the promises of God. No matter what, no matter what your mind is telling you, no matter what kind of report you're getting from the doctor, no matter what kind of report you're getting from your husband, no matter what kind of report you're getting from your wife, no matter what kind of report you're getting from your boss, no matter what kind of report you're getting in this world, if God gives a report, bank on it. You can trust him in that. Let me tell you a very, very dark period in my life. Where I had to totally rely upon Jesus Christ. Where it didn't make sense to me. Where it appeared that I was doing all the right things. Trusting, serving, following, worshipping God. Where I heard from God that Jim, this is the call on your life. This is what I want you to do. And so even hearing that, yet in the midst of that, I almost threw that all away. Because I didn't want to endure the suffering and pain any longer. As a 22 year old man... I found myself in a room with another man speaking into my life, telling me about the future, telling me that that he saw something in me. And taking that information that he told me that I should pursue ministry or think about it, I pulled away and got alone with God. And I remember opening up the word of God after getting reports from different people saying, Jim, you ought to consider. And I remember being the quietness of this room, saturated in God's word visibly, and, and knowing that he was there with me and hearing from the spirit saying, Jim, I am calling you I'm calling you away from your home I'm calling you to another region I'm calling you to go serve And to be a pastor I remember that period of my life As clear as can be That this was the time This was the place that God was calling me towards Not knowing certainly what it all looked like But I knew this I needed to leave here And I needed to go there Because God was calling me there And without any hesitation I needed to move Now, the circumstances to that were very, very difficult. Initially, they were great. I was engaged to be married. And in my mind, I'm going to be engaged to be married. This is the gal. I'm going to follow this calling. I'm going to leave the post office. This position I had as a carrier, a full-time position, really a career job. I'm going to throw all that behind and I'm going to pick everything up. And I'm going to move to Indiana and pursue ministry. It all began to make sense. This gal that I was dating was a student. This gal had a call in her life to serve God. I had a call in my life to serve God. I liked her. She liked me. She loved me. I loved her. We loved God. Everything seemed to make sense. And so I began pursuing that path, thinking and knowing that God had promised that he would supply, that God would care for me. So I stepped out. I began to make the necessary steps. What I wasn't prepared for was this test that came, this struggle that came. In the midst of that, that summer, soon found out that God had spoken to her. She wanted to break up the engagement and everything got dark for me. Shut down and I had decisions to make. God, are you still calling me? God, is this what you want me to do? God, should I still go? Is this the reason that you're pulling this away? Because you want me to stay here? So I pulled away. I got away for a week and all by myself, opened up God's word again, took a piece of paper. And on one side, I wrote the pros of going pursuing ministry and going to college and the cons to it. I remember laying on this beach all by myself, just hearing from the Lord. These are the things. And I wrote them down and then opened them up, reading them and coming away from that week and said, I must go, even though this is painful because she will still be there. Packed up everything, left for Grace College and headed to another place, away from where I was at, resigned from my job, walked away from a lucrative position and knowing God was calling me. Everything seemed that that's what God wanted me to do. What I wasn't prepared for next was the pain, the suffering that I would face. Because each day as I walked into these new classes, as a 22-year-old freshman walking into these classes, she was on campus too. And every time I saw her, the pain would surface. The the thoughts of God, why? And I remember pulling away at night and thinking, Lord, I don't understand. I've been faithful. I've worshipped you. I'm here. But this piece of the puzzle that I long for isn't part of that. God, why are you allowing this? And in the midst of this very, 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 very dark time, I found myself at the end of this semester, heading home, it was a winterim, during the winter break. And as a college freshman at the time, I was going to go back and take a class that was a junior level class, but I wasn't certain that it was a junior level class. It was a winterim, like if you were a full-time student, you could take this class and they would pay for free. In the meantime, I had a friend that I had developed, one of my best buds in in college named Al. He was coming to visit me when I was home after this first semester in college. And I told him, I said, Al, stop by the mailbox at Grace College and pick up my mail. And so we talked about it. We laughed about it. He came to Hagerstown, Maryland. He forgot the mail. Little did I know that the absent-mindedness, God would use his absent-mindedness to direct the path of my life. We came and visited he came and we went back to Grace College and we took this winter class. The first day back, I walked to the mailroom room, opened up my mailbox, box 468, pulled out this slip and it said, Dear Jim Brown, box 468, you are a freshman. This is a junior level class. You can't take this class. And I remember thinking, Lord, I came the whole way back here. I came the whole way back here to, and you're telling me I can't take this class. Little sidebar, had I received that piece of mail, from my friend Al, my absent-minded friend Al. Had I received that piece of mail when he would have come to my house, I would have never went back, because here's why. After this, I was there for those two weeks, and I was in my apartment still struggling in pain, had pushed down all this emotion and pain. I had shoved it down. I didn't deal with it properly. I get a call from Hagerstown, Maryland. And the call from Hagerstown, Maryland, from the post office was, Jim, we'd like to give you this position. We'd like to offer you this position. They were grooming me for a supervision position. They said, we'd like to offer you this job. Would you consider leaving school, coming back to Hagerstown, and taking this position in the post office? And I remember pulling away, thinking, wow, I could have this. And it'd be so much better than to deal with this pain. I could leave the pain of, of seeing this gal every day. And I could, I could remove myself from the suffering. And this would be so much easier. And Lord, I, I think I ought to do that. And I remember this moment in time it was a very, very dark time. Trying to hear from God and just listening to him. And I remember I came this close. I'm telling you, this close and only by the grace of God, I almost threw my calling away because of the pain I was dealing with and didn't want to deal with it any longer. But I'll never forget in that moment, all alone in my apartment, it was a cold winter night. I remember thinking, I can't throw that away. God, you called me and you promised me, God. You promised me that you would supply all my needs. And God, you promised me that you would never leave me nor forsake me. And God, even though it feels very lonely right now, I know that you are with me. And so I chose to stay. Fast forward during that semester, I'm sitting at this this basketball game with a couple friends and someone's getting engaged at halftime at this basketball game. They walk out and they're getting engaged and I'm still dealing with all this pain and suffering from the past that I hadn't properly dealt with. And so Guy gets down at halftime. It should be one of the most enjoyable times for someone to observe. And he proposes to this gal. The place is erupting, and I'm sitting in the stands all by myself, and I begin to weep. Well, oh. I began to cry. I couldn't stop. I wanted to crawl under the bleachers. It's like, what's happening here, God? What, what's going on here? And all these, these emotions that I had suppressed and pushed down came out of me that had been built up, this pain, this, this suffering, this, these questions like, God, why? And they came to the top. And I'll never forget during that time, there was this gal by the name of Ann Bortner, who is now Ann Bortner Brown, who we had become friends, but reached down to bleachers, put her hand on my shoulder because she saw me. And just touched me. And in that moment, incredible healing took place in my life. I had, instead of stuffing the emotions, I dealt with them. And it was in that moment that, that, that God spoke to me and said, Jim, even though you have this pain, Jim, even though you have this suffering, I promised you that I would never leave you nor forsake you. I promised you that I would be with you. And I promised you that I will be with you until you are placed in that ministry out there. I almost threw everything away because of the pain and the suffering and the calling on my life. Because I wasn't willing to wait. I wasn't willing at that moment to go through the suffering and become more mature in my faith. And I don't know where you're at today. But here's what I do know. We as human beings, we live in a world that we want We want the instant gratification. We want God to answer tonight. We want God to answer yesterday. We're not willing to wait a day or two. We want answers now. We have instant everything. We want drive through Jesus. And sometimes he says, listen to me, there is power. There, there is hope in waiting upon the Lord. Because in our waiting, our strength is renewed in him. I want you to grab your Bibles and we're going to take a look at a person that learned this the hard way and turn to Genesis, Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12. And when you find Genesis chapter 12, we're going to read verses 1 to 4. If you need a Bible today, hold up your hand and our ushers will be glad to place one in your hand. Genesis, first book of the Bible. Find that, stand with me, let's read it out loud together. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 4. Let's read this out loud together. Genesis 12, verses 1 to 4. I'll be reading from the NIV 2011 version. Ready? Read. The Lord had said to Abram Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and I will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. You have a seat. Faith doesn't go unchallenged. Faith isn't faith until you put faith into action. Let me set the groundwork here because this week I saw things in this story that I've never seen in my 53 years of life. It was as if God opened up this passage to me in a fresh way. This is what I know was happening during this time. Abraham had just heard from God that basically that he would be blessed through his descendants that his child would be an heir to to many, many, many more generations to come, a people who would be blessed because of him. And so to a man that has a son, to know that God spoke to him and said that your next child being born, your son, his descendants would bless the nations to come. What an incredible word from the Lord. Can you imagine God visiting you and saying, Hey, come here a second. I got a word for you. I want you to know that when you have a child, through that child and the generations and after that and after that and after that, that that they will be blessed. And from that will come a great nation who bear your name, who bear my name. I will make you into that great nation. Yet when God's promises come, we must remember he will be foolproof in his promise no matter what happens along the way. Probably the highlight of their lives. They had been handpicked by God. Abraham and Sarah, and they, they, but yet it was also a time where they suffered infertility. Look back a second. I don't know if you knew this. When God came, they had already struggled with barrenness. Look at chapter 11. Hadn't put all this together, and today we're going to unpack this whole story. Look at Genesis 11, and look at verse 29. It says, Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai or Sarah was what? What's the word? Childless because she was not able to what? So picture for a second. God's coming to you. He's speaking to you. And so Abraham receives this promise from God. And he says, Abraham, I want you to know that you and your wife are going to bear a son, a child. And through that child, Nations to come will be blessed and you will be a great nation. I want you to think about this for a second. Sarah was already barren. Sarah was already having struggles with infertility. In fact, if you look at the text and you do the timetable, it could have been as much as 15 to 20 years they had already been married that she was already struggling with infertility. They had already had moments where they wondered if they would ever have kids. And so God is coming. Picture if you can, sleepless nights before God coming Visits to the doctor for infertility. Crying out in prayer. Asking God why they didn't have children. Doubt and, and silent nights of suffering they had dealt with. And now God finally answers the prayer. At least they thought he did. I wondered as I read this this week. And maybe you can too. When these words came from the Lord, as it says in chapter 12, when he spoke to Abram. If he, after hearing this, just sprinted home. Out of breath busting through the front door and say, baby, I heard from the Lord, we're going to have a child. This was after years of infertility. This was after tons and tons of pregnancy tests. This was after thousands of visits to the doctors. This was after reading in the Jerusalem Medicine Journal of how to have babies. Finally, the chance was there for them to have a child. I doubt very much if he walked home. He probably sprinted to the place where his wife was at. They were so excited. The Lord had just told them they were going to have kids. Wouldn't you be excited too? So lays the foundation of Abraham becoming the father of a great nation. Finally, the news they had longed for. Plus, their baby would be an heir of blessing. And what father doesn't want that? News from the Lord himself. This was wonderful news for a man with no heir and a woman who had ached to be a mother, that finally I've heard your prayers and I've answered, not only am I answering, but I'm going to make you a great nation, Abraham, through this heir, He was now certain, no doubt in my mind, that the suffering would stop because God made a promise. Even though she was infertile, even though she was barren, even though they tried everything under the sun to have kids, finally a child would come. God promised it. God said, through you, a great nation will come. Always remember, God's will always keep his promises too, even if it doesn't appear like he is. Yet what was about to happen next might be one of the darkest times in Abraham and Sarah's life. What they thought would finally be the answer to all the prayers would now only be become a longer waiting period of suffering and questioning and even wandering away from God. A blessing, a promise from God himself would certainly mean that the pregnancy test would reveal positive. I picture them, I don't know. Maybe this is because how I would, if God spoke to me, I would do this. I picture them like every morning waking and taking the pregnancy test. Is, are you pregnant yet? No, I'm not. I picture them every day, day after day, Abraham finally waking up saying, well, and her saying, no. And then as each day passed, and each month passed, with no relief, they began to wonder. And Sarah probably asked him, did you really hear from God? Are you sure that was God? I believe they were human as we are human. And the thoughts began to surface of doubt. Like, God, did you really say that? Was there something I didn't hear? Did I miss out on something? Like, you said a great nation would come. Like, what up, God? She's still infertile. Months passed, not only months, but years passed from this proclamation and declaration and promise from God. As I read this again this week, I never connected the number of years of waiting till Isaac came. I never connected the number of years of suffering after this promise was there. I never connected how long they had suffered even prior to this promise and declaration coming from God. Look at Genesis chapter 13 and look at verses 15 and 16. Genesis 13. Look at verse 15 and 14. Genesis thirteen fourteen says, The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, Look around from where you are. Look to the north and the south, to the east and the west. All the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever.'" I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anything, one could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. He was telling them, and meanwhile, Sarah still is is barren. There's no child. And so he comes to him again. He says, take a look, look around. And I believe at that moment, Abram's like, you already told me that. Like, give us a baby, would you God? I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth. At this point right here, scholars and people who have done time slots studying, it was probably from the time that they got married to this time here, almost 25 to 30 years of barrenness. And yet God promised... God, if he promises, don't you think he would show up tomorrow? Don't you think it'd be nine months later? But God, prom- you promised God, and yet they continue to wait. They continue to suffer. Yet every day, every week, every month, it was the same story, barren and no child. And God, where are you? And yet God promises again, hey, I'm going to make your offspring to cover the earth. Look at chapter 12 and look what happened in the meantime before even that second time when he came. Chapter 12, look what it says in verse 18 and 19. This made more sense to me this week like I've never seen before in scripture. I've always questioned this. Chapter 12 and verse 18 says, So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me, he said. Why didn't you tell me that Sarah was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? So that I took her to be my wife. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his wife. And they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. Why did Abraham lie to Pharaoh? Why did, why did he say, this is my sister? Well, I've always been puzzled by that. You know why? Because he tried to control the outcome he tried to say, we can't have babies. Maybe he looked at Pharaoh and says, hey, bring her into your harem. And when you bring her into your harem, maybe because she's your wife, that finally she'll conceive and then we'll have an heir. But listen to me, that wasn't the way God had intended it to happen. It isn't that us? Well, God, you haven't answered yet. God, it's been years. In fact, you promised God you'd work all things out for good to them that love him. Let me help you a little bit here. And so Abraham saw this chance, like, well, it's, we, we, nothing's happening, nothing's changing. Maybe this is the way. He tried to circumvent God's will. He tried to do something that humans shouldn't do, do something that's against God. He offered his own wife to the Pharaoh and said, that's my sister. But don't we do the same thing? Like, we don't like to wait. And, oh, God, I can work this out better. And I've been waiting for a husband. I'm just taking the next good thing that's on the block. He's good enough. But I know, God, this is what you told me to wait for, but I can't wait any longer. It'll work out, God. I'll make sure he goes to church, and I'll make sure we read the Bible. I'll make sure, I'll make sure when he is supposed to be the one that's leading Oh, oh, God, I, 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 I really believe that you called me to this place, God. I believe it, I, that you want me to go there, but it's not working out, so I'm going to make it work. I'm going to manufacture this job. I'm going to manufacture and take your money. I'm going to go into debt, clean over my head so that it happens because you promised me. and I know, God, that you'll take care of it. No, but don't we do that? Like We want it now, God. We want it yesterday. We want the drive through version. What well, is almost about 40 years spent, Abraham was trying to manipulate God's will for his life. Having Pharaoh take his wife and put her, her in his harem. You said this, God, where are you? How come they get kids, God? You told me I'm going to have a son. How come they are being rewarded, God? We will not wait any longer, God many more years would pass till the promise would be fulfilled. Yet, aren't God's promises foolproof? If God says something, can't we bank on it? See, we don't like to wait. Some of us don't even like waiting 40 minutes after we pray to God. Dear God, can you do this? God, where are you at? We don't even like waiting 40 days. We don't even like waiting a month or two months or three months. We don't even like waiting... 4 years. And yet here's a period where Abraham and Sarah by the end when before the son actually comes it would be 40 years of waiting. Turn to Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28 and I want to show you a truth today that is a big piece to today's message. Isaiah chapter 40 keep your finger here in Genesis and look at verse 28. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28 to 31 says this. I want you to turn there. Please turn there because this is important for you to see this too. Isaiah chapter 40. look at verses 28 to 31. Says this in verse 21, 28. Do you not know Grace Community Church? Have you not heard Grace Community Church? The Lord, the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. Will not grow what? What's it say? Tired or what? Weary. And his what? What's the word? Understanding no one can fathom. He gives what? What's the word? Strength to the what? Weary or worn. And increases the power of the weak or the worn. Even youths grow tired and weary. And young men stumble and fall. But those who hope or those who wait in the Lord... Will renew their what? See, this doesn't, we don't like this, do we? Like, I don't, like, I want it now, God. It's in our waiting. Listen to me, please, please hear this. Some of you are so stressed out, some of you are so worried. Some of you are fretting. Some of you want your wife to do this yesterday. Some of you want your husbands to do that yesterday. Some of you want that job three months ago. Some of you want this wife. Some of you want this husband. Some of you want this this investment. Some of you, some of you, some of you. And listen to me, you will not grow strong unless you wait. And some of you are so stressed out that you can't even accomplish God's will. I walk into the lives of many people that are like this. Frantic, and they're trying to push. Like, it's not happening. They're stressed. We need to get this done. We need to get this done. Make sure you do that. Make sure you do that. And I I pull away and say, wait a minute. Those that wait upon the Lord, their strength shall be renewed. See, we don't like waiting though. And yet God has promised that those who place their hope or wait on the Lord Peace that passes all understanding. Joy, unfathomable and unspeakable floods their lives. And if we don't patiently wait, then we could circumvent for a period of time God's will for our lives. Way too often then, because we're not willing to wait, we try to accomplish God's will for him. Like somewhere along this path, here's what we do. God, I think I can work this out. I got this one figured out better than you do. Isn't that true though? Well, I haven't got what I wanted and need it from him yet. So let me take it into my own hands. And we don't bathe it in prayer. We just jump right ahead. We go into that new investment, that new business, that, that new marriage, that, that new job, that new ministry, that new whatever, new whatever. And we haven't bathed it in, in prayer for a period of time because, oh, we've got to get quickly. Hurry, 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 hurry. And yet the Word of God says those that wait upon the Lord, they shall be renewed. I can tell you a lady right now that came to me recently in this past year and came to me, she's Pastor Jim. She said, during the winter months, you spoke and said, during a a series of messages, you gave this list of what wives should look for in a husband and you, you spelled it out and she says, I was all for that. She said, but I got tired of waiting and, I ended up, I, I jumped in thinking that this was the man for me. And she says, now I'm backtracking and realizing that if I would have waited, then I would be in a much different place. But now I'm in this marriage with a husband that doesn't want to chase after Jesus. After God says this, that he's good on his promises, now look at Genesis chapter 15. Go to Genesis chapter 15. Look what happens next. God comes again. Look at verses 1 to 5 of Genesis 15. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate, Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, God. God. So servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and what? Blood will be your what? He took him outside and said, look up again at the star, the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said, so shall your offspring be. Abraham says, but God, you keep talking about this heir, and I'm childless. You have given me no children, God. So a servant of the household will be the heir. So he sees Eleazar, and he says, God, I realize what your will is for my life now. My wife has been barren. She's been barren since we've been married. It's been a long time, 25, 30 years. And I understand, God. I've been waiting, and I finally figured it out. Eleazar. You will be the heir. And God says, no. I promise you that from your gene pool, from your DNA, from your flesh and blood, from your wife will come an heir, not a servant in the house. Isn't that what we do? We look for other options. So It must be this way. I'm supposed to go there. Because we don't like the pain and suffering. We want to circumvent pain, and it's in our pain where we lean on Jesus, and He strengthens us. You See, when we're weak or worn, we need to turn to God, and those that wait upon the Lord, He shall renew their strength. But we do it. maybe we, we look for other options. Maybe that's the one God I should marry. Maybe I should fudge a little bit here, God. Maybe, maybe, maybe. That's not the end of the story. It's like, people think he would learn, like, from Eleazar. But look at chapter 16. This continues. Look at chapter 16. Look at verse 1. So, now Sarai, or Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. It's Like, okay, we, we understand that. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. Not Sammy, but Hagar. Verse 2. So she said to Abram, The Lord... Has kept me from having children. And I don't want to say. Come on. Didn't you feel Abram like. I already know that. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps. I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. Listen to me. Don't circumvent God's will. So after Abram had been living in Canaan ten years. Sarah's wife took her Egyptian slave Hagar. And gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. So here he is again. I mean, after 10 years, another period of waiting. Did have a baby? Like, oh, finally, Ishmael, that'll be the... And God's saying, no, 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 no. But God, I'm tired of waiting. It's been horrible. And you you said, God, so I'm, I'm trying to figure it out on my own. How many of you are moving ahead of God right now and you know it? And you will endure the consequences of not waiting on the Lord. Your whatever it is will fail miserably because you haven't waited upon the Lord and done what he wants you to do. But I long to get married. I need someone to take care of my kids. I need to find a way to buy that. I need to borrow more. I need a job. I've been waiting long enough, God. For those kids, I've been waiting too long, God. Where are you? So I'm going to make it happen. She doesn't love me anymore, God. So I'm going to find another husband. God, if you're truly a God and you're good on your promises, then this should have taken place by now. Don't you think Abram and Sarah thought those thoughts regularly? I know they did because they keep trying to reinvent God's will for their life. Where are you running ahead of God? And the spirit is saying, stop and wait and wait and wait and wait. Where are you so stressed out? Because you're like, this needs to happen. That needs to happen. If that doesn't happen, then then this will happen. And that doesn't happen. I need to do something now. And if you are finding yourself stressed out and worrying and full of anxiety, guess what? You haven't learned to wait upon the Lord because it's in your waiting and trusting that your strength is renewed and people look at you and say, how are you able to do that? James chapter 1 reminds us it's in our suffering and our pain and our hardships and our perseverance that we become mature. Waiting is the missing discipline in Christian circles today. So many Christians are not gaining the value in persevering in the way your faith grows when your eyes can't see how it will all work out, but you still trust that God will work it out. Abram's thinking, though, the Lord, you, you made empty promises for 25 years. I'm going to have a baby with someone else. I can't help but think in in Peter in the New Testament when when Jesus had his disciples around him and so many, like, I just get this picture. There were hundreds and thousands leaving Jesus because he gave them this hard teaching. Like, well, that means to follow you. I need to do that. Yeah, that's what it means. And Peter looks at him and and basically Jesus says, are you guys going to leave too? And Peter said, where should we go? You have the words of eternal life. Like, why would I try to do anything but follow Jesus and trust Jesus? Listen to me. Why would we as Christ followers believe in the promises of anyone else but Jesus Christ? There's no greater option than Jesus. Stop and consider the pain they must have felt from the waiting, the long nights of blaming each other for the infertility and the tireless days of not getting the report they needed. But then God gives them this gentle reminder. The story's amazing. I never put all this together like this. I mean, look at Genesis chapter 17. After years of waiting and trying to circumvent the the will of God, chapter 17, Abraham is now 99 years old. Almost 40 years later, the Lord, after they got married, the Lord appeared to him and said, chapter 17, I am. I just love that. Just stop there. That's enough, isn't it? I am God Almighty, walk before me faithfully and be what? Blameless. Come on, help me out. 17.2. You got, you got to see this for yourself. We're going back until you do. Look at chapter 17, verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me faithfully and be what? Blameless. Look at verse 2. What's the next word in verse 2? What's the very next word? Then I will. Then I will. Then I will. Then I will. The then I will comes after, walking faithfully and blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram, but your name will be what? Abraham. You see when it came? When he was 99. Why Why did it? Why was it about ready to unpack? Because he walked faithfully and trusted and was blameless in all he did. It wasn't doubt. It wasn't trying to get Hagar to, to have a baby. It wasn't trying to get Pharaoh to have a baby. It wasn't stressing and worrying. It was faithfully trusting. Okay, God, I've tried everything. I've come to realize that you're good on your word. And all you require from us is to worship you and to serve you and faithfully be there for you, even when it doesn't appear that you are coming through. I trust you, Jesus. He's 99 at this point. I wonder if that is what God is longing from us, to give us relief from the suffering that we're facing. I back to my own story. There was these questions that I'm crying out to God. And I'm thinking, I'm going to go back here. And I'm going to throw away this calling that God had on my life. So that I can pull away from this pain that I'm experiencing. And little did I know that after I said no, I'm staying. That just a few weeks later, a gal by the name of Anne Brown, Bortner Brown, would walk into my life. Turn to Romans chapter 4 and just keep your finger here. It's a beautiful picture. Paul tried to describe what Abraham walked through. I personally believe, this is my take on this, I believe that Romans chapter 4 verses 18 to 21 or 24 are written after Genesis 17. I believe that this is a reference towards in his 99th year, in his 40th year uh, uh, of being married. I believe that this Reference that Paul is giving here is finally when, when, when Abraham finally got it at 99. It says this in chapter 4 and verse 18. Against all what? Hope. Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him. So shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith. He placed the fact. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Because he was 99. And since he was 100 years old, he gave birth and Sarah's womb was also new. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. But was what? What's the word? Strengthened in his faith and gave glory. Those that wait upon the Lord. It took him years to understand that. Being fully persuaded in verse 21 that God had power to do what he had promised. It wasn't until Genesis 17 that he finally got it. This is why it's credit to him as righteousness. The words, it was credit to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us. He was fully persuaded. And God was so patient. Here's, I want you to keep in mind. God never reneged on his promise. And he never will. Yet we can often, often, often delay receiving that because we go here, we go there, we try this. And God is saying, stay on the straight and what? Narrow. Because it's the straight and narrow is where you are faithful and blameless and where God's will is accomplished. Now, picture for a second, he's 99, and he believed even when it didn't make sense. I mean, even now, it takes even more faith that he's going to have a child. I mean, after all these years and way past his ability to perform sexually, God is saying, now, you're going to have a baby. Our hope must be in Jesus and nothing else. Look at Genesis chapter 21. It finally comes. Finally, like, woo! Go to Genesis chapter 21. Look at verse 1. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said. Look at Genesis 21. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had what? Promise. Sarah became what? Pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the very time God had promised. Listen, at what time was it? The very time God had promised. Abraham gave the name Isaac to a son. Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him and God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Finally, finally, after all these years of Abraham and Sarah's foolishness. And all the consequences of that. And all the poor decisions. And the lack of waiting. There is no stopping God's promise, Grace Community. A big sigh of relief for Abraham and Sarah. I picture Isaac bringing laughter as he continued to age because his name means the one who laughs. I even picture people seeing them as a family out in the park and at soccer games. And I picture them at parent days. Their students say, hey, is that your grandma and grandpa? No, that's my mom and my dad. How old's your daddy? Well, I'm five. My daddy's 105. 105. I picture Sarah and Abraham laughing through this whole child-raising time. Saying, I know this doesn't make sense, but God, you are so good. These were some of the best years of Sarah and Abraham's life. Picture the joy they felt each morning as they walked to the breakfast table. And that son that was their heir through him the nations will be blessed his mom served up pancakes and sausage and egg she thought through you son there would be nations that will be blessed imagine the joy they felt as they watched him kick a goal in a soccer game thinking it's not the goal that brings me joy it's what's going to happen through you these were some of the best years of her lives the promise was fulfilled wasn't it Now, fast forward 13 years later. Keep in mind, they had already waited 40 years. Look at Genesis chapter 22. Like, fast forward roughly 13 years later. Genesis chapter 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, who I said would be the heir, Isaac, and go to the region Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. Can you imagine like, God, what are you talking about? How in the world would the nations be blessed if you're asking me to kill my son now? God, this doesn't make sense to me. Your ways must be way higher than my ways because if I do the math, I kill the son, there's no more kids. And by the way, God, don't you know that down at Greencroft, serenized pictures is on the wall? Like, they don't have babies at Greencroft, they have death announcements. Don't you know, God, that, that, that if you're thinking that we're going to have another kid, God, just in case you forgot, I'm 113 now. Like, sex isn't even on a radar screen anymore. In fact, God, I don't even think I can try again. So how in the world would the promise continue? You see, it's one thing to trust God in the waiting. But to be able to trust him after receiving this kind of news? This is the part of the faith journey where Abraham had learned... That God is good on his promises. And even though, listen, listen carefully. Even though it appears like God is contradicting God, we can still trust him if he said it's going to happen. Even though the facts don't add up scientifically and biologically, we can still trust. Because listen, the promise wasn't in Isaac. The promise was in God. It's never in a man. It's always in Jesus. So what does he do? Well, look at verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will what? What's the word? It's Worship. I don't like those kind of worship services, do you? Like, hey, Josh, Isaiah, let's go go to the worship service. You're dead. (laughs) But look what he says. We will worship, and then we will come what? What's it say? Back to you. Do you see what's happening here, Grace? Even though it didn't make sense. Even though he knew he had to sacrifice his son. Even though the facts didn't line up. Even though it seemed humanly impossible. Even though physically and intellectually he knew if son was dead. That somehow, even if it meant he followed through with it. That somehow, even if Isaac had to be resurrected by God. That Isaac and Abraham were coming back. And he didn't know how, but he knew God was good on his promise. Abraham was placed in his faith in God and not Isaac. What are you trusting, in and while you're waiting? You know, probably one of the most miraculous things about this account is this. this. Isaac was probably 13 years old. And there's no doubt in my mind that Abraham at 113, that Isaac could probably outrun him. And Isaac probably could have just... But somewhere along this faith journey in these 13 years, Abraham's faith had grown in such a way that every time Isaac looked at his father, he said, I trust you, dad, because you trust God. And he had lived out his faith in such a way that the faith of his father was passed down to the son, that even the son at 13 let his dad tie him up and he went up on that author that even Isaac believed that somehow this was God at work. Listen to me, Grace. God is never limited and boxed in by human limitations. Those that wait upon the Lord, their strength shall be renewed. Maybe the reason you feel so weary and worn out today is because of your impatience and you're trying to manipulate the outcome of God's will instead of faithfully waiting on God, even Though it doesn't make sense, even though that husband hasn't come home, even though that wife refuses to follow God, even though that child is far away, even though the finances seem impossible, even though it is hard and painful, those that wait upon the Lord, their strength shall be renewed. Real joy comes as we persevere while waiting. God was gracious and nothing can stop his plans and promises. Yet how many months and years were wasted in the waiting for Abraham? And how many years do we waste because we are willing to wait? God, help us today. I know, because I experience it personally, that we want to run ahead of you, God. I know, because I see it, there are stressed out, worn out Christ followers because they're trying to run their own lives instead of faithfully trusting and waiting on you and allowing the peace of God that passes all understanding cover them in their pain and their suffering. Please God, please. I pray, Spirit, that you'll move in our hearts today. And that you'll show us areas where we're running ahead. Where we've tried to, to manufacture your will, God. Where we have run from suffering, even though we know that in the suffering is where perseverance comes and our faith is, becomes mature. Where we, we, have, we have manipulated your will and that we, we're in places we shouldn't be that we need to run from now. Oh God, please. Even as we declare this song, Grace Community, and the song we're about to sing is a declaration that while I'm waiting, I will serve. And while I'm waiting, I will worship. And while I'm waiting, even though I can't see, I trust in the promises of God. So Lord, do that in our heart. I'm going to ask you to stand as we sing this in both venues. This is a declaration. This is a truth. This is you saying, Lord, while I'm waiting... I'm going to do this. In Jesus' name, amen.